started, so we have plenty of time. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to say thank you so much to everyone who uh, is in the room as an attendee, and thank you so much to our panelists for uh, taking the time to share what you're going to share tonight uh, for everyone who's here. And um, my name is Phil Perez. I'm the moderator for this panel, but also the organizer for the event. And so I also thank you for your patience and your, your grace with all the technical difficulties that we've had thus far. And, uh, and so I wanted to introduce uh, our topic in a minute, but I'd love to say a prayer as we uh, jump in for our time tonight. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're just we're, we're incredibly blessed that um, you sustain us and you take care of us. And God, as long as we're with you, the borders have fallen for us in good places. God, I'm so amazed at how you're going to use this weekend. Uh, technical glitches and all, Father, you're going to really use this weekend to uh, build up people's faith and to uh, encourage and to inspire. God, we're confident of that. We're faithful of that. God, we also know that you're going to use this time, this panelist discussion uh, on spiritual leadership to help people hear your call, God, your call to leadership. God, that, that we would be we would be worthy of the call that you've given us, God, all the primary callings that we have as disciples. But then, God, even to desire uh, spiritual leadership is to desire a noble thing. God, I pray that during this time, questions could be answered, that people could hear from our panelists and, and um, really be inspired by the choices they've made to get involved in, in leadership uh, on spiritual matters. God, I pray that uh, I know there's some that are in, on this a call, a call as attendees and in this room who maybe are a little bit timid or shy or scared about what spiritual leadership may, may mean. Father, I pray that you would answer those questions, um, allay those fears, and really just uh, help people overcome uh, timidness or shyness over these things. God, thank you so much for everything you're preparing for tonight and for this whole weekend. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 And so I'm not going to introduce each of our panelists individually because we're going to let them uh, do that. And so, um, uh, but I do want to say for this topic, I'm really excited. I always, this is my favorite topic, it's spiritual leadership. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting at the feet of uh, these individuals just as you are. And I, I want to, you know, let you know that those that are among us here that are on this panel, uh, they have uh, so much has been poured into them already that they are they are they are the recipients of blessings that they're passing on to us, and we're grateful for that. And uh, we know that um, anything they're going to share tonight is going to certainly help us in uh, different uh, ministries that we may be participating in, contributing in, and. Um, the, the, the panelists tonight, they're going to share. Here's some of the things you can expect them to share. Their personal story, uh, a scripture that is important to them on this topic, uh, maybe an obstacle that they've had to deal with in this category. And, uh, and so uh, we're really looking forward to that. I'm going to go ahead and uh, take my video off, but I will be monitoring the chat for questions. And after the, the panelists are done uh, with their sharing, we're going to have a time where you can have questions, and if you would like, we would invite you to even share your questions uh, and share your screen and your audio so we can have some interaction there. And even just for comments at the end, that'll be wonderful. And so 
Uh, without further ado, I will uh, give it over to Tanner and Jess Versage. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Tanner. This I'm is Justin. Jess. Hello. Our two little boys, Carter and Emmett, are upstairs, hopefully asleep. Um, hopefully you don't hear from them tonight. Um, but uh, I, a quick little journey, I guess, about how we got into leadership, or I'll, I'll just share about myself in particular. Uh, I grew up, I became a disciple in the teen ministry. And towards the end of my time in the teen ministry, uh, when I was about 17 or 18, is the first time I started leading Bible studies with other people, uh, you know, with younger teens and doing some of that. Um, so I went off to college as a freshman, and that's when I first started leading a Bible talk was the second semester of my freshman year. That was my first kind of student leadership. Um, however, it was not glorious, and a lot was exposed in my character. I think growing up, uh, having been a disciple, there was so much self-righteousness. I just thought I knew the answers. I had the scriptures memorized. Um, I could tell people you know, the background story of a parable or something. So I just had this self-righteous air. And I thought, I thought that's what leadership was, was knowing more answers than the other people and being able to prove that my way was right. And I remember having conversation with my campus minister. My freshman year, there was a, an older student uh, who was actually leading the Bible talk the first semester, uh, but he was a baby Christian and he had been a disciple for six months. And I remember thinking I should have been leading the Bible talk and he asked me, he said, hey, how long, how long has James been a college disciple? And I said, six months. And he said, how long have you been a college disciple? And I said, uh, one month, because it was my first month in college. And he said, that's my point. And so uh, <laughs> from that point on, I learned this whole other side of leadership is really about learning and being trained, uh, not proving the things I already know, but being willing to glean information from other people and and to get better and to not just having to be right all the time so i think a scripture that really helps me in this area is in proverbs 9 it says instruct the wise and they will be wiser still teach the righteous and they will add to their learning and um this helped me because my goal was just to spend as much time with my campus minister as possible if it was meeting him at the student union, hopping in his minivan while he took the girls to soccer practice or while he went grocery shopping or uh, just observing anything I could from him, uh, watching the way that he spoke with his wife, watching the way he parented his children, watching the way he interacted with his neighbors or other people in the community. It was uh, life lessons of things that I had not experienced or learned. And if I went in thinking I knew all those things already, I would have been very behind and extremely ineffective and so i think that's uh that's a scripture that's a life lesson i learned and and that's one of the challenges um over the years for me has just been how can i how can i grow and get closer to other leaders and learn from them how can i uh if i'm if i'm in town visiting um you know the O'Quins, how can i make sure that i I corner Willie for 20 minutes and, and ask him questions and pick his brain about things. If I'm in town in Indy, how can how can we sit down with with Perry and with Ross and Sam and, and learn from them in their situation? So um, I think that's one of the, the challenges is, you know, checking the self-righteousness uh, and instead putting myself in a position to keep learning uh, and being humble and, and learning from others victories and their mistakes as well. Hi, I'm Jess, and um, basic intro. 
So I am prepared. I'm just coming out of baby land. So you should say who we are and what we do. We are Tanner and Jessica. And what we do is we are the campus ministry leaders here in Midpoint in Chicago. And we also lead the young professionals here. So that's all really fun. Um, so is that good enough? Okay, so I'm Jessica, and I grew up in this family of churches, and um, although I grew up in this family of churches, I did not become a Christian until I was away at college, so I'm from the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, and uh, but I went down to college at University of Georgia, and I went to community college first, and then on to the university, Go Dogs, and um, became a disciple my first semester there, um, towards the end. Um, so a little bit different than maybe your average kingdom kid. And so I kind of started getting my footing as a young Christian in college, which kind of leads to how I ended up becoming a student leader. Um, I was living with many of you might know Alexandra and Jesse Goman, who lead the Boston campus ministries. And Alexandra Lang at the time and I were roommates and uh, we had a lot of roommates and we were um, becoming better and better friends. And she was the intern at the time and for the campus ministry. And um, I was just barely still a young Christian, uh, maybe two years old at the time spiritually. And she's like, Jess, you have so much potential to be a great student leader. And I was like, what are you talking about? And um, <laughs> Josh, um yeah, I, I felt like, what are you talking about? And I just remember feeling so much fear when the topic of becoming possibly just a, like a, we had family groups, but like a Bible talk leader, um, co-leading a Bible talk with a brother and having a D group of women and possibly, you know, Alexander saying, you know, I'm graduating next year or in a year and a half, like who's going to be the next intern? Like, I think you need to do it. Like you have the grit and the passion and the love for the word. And I think that you might be being the next person who needs to do this. And I was like, no, you are wrong. I don't think that's possible. Like I am just not brave enough. Like I just don't think that that's for me. And I remember her just having that conversation with me and just made such an impact on me and opened up my mind to the fact that, you know, I do have so much love for God and passion for the word and if I want to call people to that, like I am doing in Bible studies and, and spending time with women in the ministry, maybe that's something that I should do. And so that did end up happening. She graduated and uh, we walked a lot together up to her graduating and leaving. And then I got to be the one, the female uh, campus intern um, and leading a huge freshman D group was one of my favorite things to do and just um, all kinds of event things. But studying the Bible with people and getting more training. So that was kind of my beginning journey with that. And then, then on into the ministry. Um, a scripture that I was, came to mind when I was thinking about my the fear feeling that I felt uh, kind of upon entering student leadership was in Hebrews 10, verse 35, when it says, so do not throw away your confidence, you will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. My righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And I think that was a, that's a scripture that's helped me for many years as I've shared my faith um, in, on lots of campuses now and doing those things. But I just had so much fear kind of entering that. So that being um, an obstacle for me initially um, being a student leader.
All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Perry Smith. I am 25 and I live in Bloomington, Indiana, which uh, Indiana University is here and it's an hour south of Indianapolis. So I wanted to start by sharing a scripture that I feel like kind of summarizes my personal relationship with God, but also really frames how God pulled me into the ministry. And here in James 4, in verse 13, and I'm reading from the NLT, it says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. So I grew up in Indianapolis, and I came to Indiana University to study music. And it was my goal to just be the best opera singer, best professor, best musician that ever like existed. And that was totally on my pride. Um, and I came into college set with a plan. I was going to graduate in four years. I had all my classes mapped out. I told my <laughs> my counselors what I was going to take. And in the middle of my college career, God really humbled me. You know, I think it's really easy for us to believe in our hearts that we know what our purpose is, that we know what's best for us, that we know what we're going to do. And God will step in and change that for you in an absolute second. And so that's how I would frame my story of how I became a Christian. I was really pursued and chased by God on campus. He really found me. So I was working as an RA in the dorms my sophomore year, and I was on a staff of about 12 people, but I had the opportunity to work with a smaller staff of three other RAs and one grad. And I worked with a brother named Tyler Kwasniewski, and he was probably the most faithful young person I had ever met. He was so deep in his spiritual walk with God and had incredible convictions. And he really stood up for what he believed in with our staff. And that really impressed me. And during the year that I worked with Tyler, I learned a lot about his relationship with God and was actually reached out to cold contact twice by a couple sisters in the ministry and finally showed up at church at the end of my sophomore year. And when I first came to church, I was so blown away. Um, our campus ministry at Indiana University at that time was led by Sam and Ross Sawyer, whoop, whoop, and had so many people, young people that loved God, and I'd never seen anything like that before. And so that summer, I decided when I came back to school in the fall, I was going to try to look for God. I wanted to have faith like Tyler did. And so when I got back to campus and I was making my schedule, I was like, Tyler, how did, how did you get connected with your group? Like, how can I love God more? And he was like, you know, you need to put him before your schoolwork. You need to put him before being an RA and you need to come out to stuff. And so I said, all right, I'll give it a try. And eventually I um, started studying the Bible with Samantha Sawyer and was baptized on December 3rd, 2015. And so at that time, I didn't know the journey that God was going to have for me. Like I said, I was planning to be a musician. I didn't have any intention of going into ministry. I was just glad to be a Christian. And I remember shortly after I got baptized, I was sitting down with Sam at a coffee shop on campus. And she's like, you know what? I feel like you would be really good and you should go to MIT. And I was like, 
Sam, I'm a junior and I study music. Like, why would I transfer for the to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology? <laughs> <laughs> and she explained to me that it was an opportunity to um, do a ministry and training program. That's what MIT <laughs> means. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have anything else planned with my summer. And that's kind of where God started my my spiritual leadership journey from there i did mit in the heartland so shout out to the columbia church and i really enjoyed that made tons of friends and was just blown away by the kingdom of god um when i came back from mit god really helped me face the pride that was in my heart the selfish ambition he really called me out and just ask me, are your plans what I have for you? Or are they what you have for yourself to achieve worldly success? And so my senior year, I battled surrendering my career to God. And an opportunity came up where Sam and Ross Sawyer were planning to move to Indianapolis and asked if me and Tyler would be interns for the campus ministry. And I was like, me like you believe in me that much but god had worked on me enough to give it a try and when i tell you um my first year of ministry was tough it really taught me that i didn't know as much as i thought i did but truly it also taught me that god is the most important leader in our lives that we can rely on it is so important and i love the theme of this conference just to be led by the spirit and spiritual leadership like we god blessed me with great um mentors and sam and ross and i'm still being raised by them and my spiritual leadership but god is definitely the person that we want to rely on and so the scripture i will end with leaving you guys um is in proverbs 3 5 and 6 and it says trust in the lord with all your heart do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to, to take. So this is the scripture I am trying my best to live by. At times, I fall back on my self-reliance. But if I could encourage anybody out there who's looking to be a strong leader, I want to encourage you that if you lean on God and if you rely on his spiritual leadership, then he will show you the direction that you need to go. So I look forward to hearing from you guys, and I'll toss over to William Katie. Thanks, Perry. Hi, guys. We're uh, the O'Quins. My name's Willie, and this is my wife, Katie. Hi. And just really grateful to be able to share with you guys tonight. Uh, we've, we're here in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, we led the campus ministry for about 10 years. Uh, and then a couple years ago, we transitioned into leading the church, small church here in Lawrence. Uh, and then recently, we've actually been in the process of merging with the Kansas City Church. So we're about uh, 30 minutes down the road from Kansas City. So we're kind of merging to form uh, regions of the same church. Um, so we love it here in Lawrence. We love being in the heartland. And it's been awesome to be able to join the Midwest. Uh, and we're very passionate about spiritual leadership and training spiritual leaders, uh, especially in campus ministry. And so really grateful for the opportunity. And we just wanted to share a little bit of our story and how we got into to spiritual leadership. Yeah, so like Willie said, we started uh, as campus leaders, and I was not, uh, kind of my journey, I was not the girl that was like, yes, I want to go into ministry, I want to do any sort of like leadership, um, leading a Bible talk, anything like that. Uh, I definitely saw that there was a need and I had a heart to serve, but I think my big obstacle 
was that I saw this mold of what I thought the perfect co-leader, the perfect women's ministry leader looked like, and I was not any of that. Um, I didn't feel like I was spiritual enough. I didn't feel like I was bubbly enough. I didn't feel like I knew the scriptures well enough. Um, you name it. There were so many things. And I think even being in a relationship with Willie, I, I think that even was like, well, I just come with the package. It's not because I have the qualities to be in leadership. It's because Willie does and they're stuck with me. And so that, I mean, honestly, with you, just to share with you guys and be real, that's something that still, as we transition into different types of leadership, it still will follow me where I'm like, oh, I can't lead women who are older than me. And how am I supposed to help them with the issues they're going through? Um, so that's something that's really been an obstacle that I've had to overcome. And maybe some of you can relate, but I wanted to share a scripture that's really helped me uh, to see things differently. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I, I love this verse, and it's, it's helped me to see that God makes up for where I fall short or where I'm weak. And uh, something that I've tried to practice that I would just encourage any of you who can relate, who, you know, maybe have been talked to about leadership and are like, ah, no thanks. I don't know if that's for me or um, I will often have to sit down and go, okay, so God made me, God doesn't make mistakes. So he's got to put something good in me. So what is that? You know, what do I have to give? What do I have to offer? Cause he's put me in this role. And I want to be my best for him. So what can I give? Um, as well as looking at people around me and just soaking up as much as I can. Kind of like what Tanner was speaking about of like just really asking a lot of questions. I'll go up to women that maybe um, they can just study the Bible and get to the heart so much better. I'll ask them, like, how do you know what questions to ask? What are you thinking or maybe they're more joyful. What helps you to be joyful when life is crazy? You know, uh, my mindset go from a state of insecurity of I'm not all of this to really seeing, wow, God can connect me with another person and help me to grow in an area that I might be falling short in. You know, and uh, I had no problem pursuing leadership. So I had all the self-righteous pride that Tanner shared without any of the, the knowledge that he must have had. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I had no problem about that. But the leadership that I was pursuing was not spiritual. And I, I, was, uh, I was pursuing position, really. And when you pursue position and there's that kind of pride, uh, usually God opposes it. And so I, I had to go through a long process of God really humbling me. And that was through my sin, through failure, through uh, a lot of different ways. But God had to kind of put his hand on me until I realized really how insignificant I was. 
And a scripture that has always been near and dear to my heart regarding spiritual leadership um, is in Daniel, Daniel chapter four. And, and if you've studied out the book of Daniel, you know, so much of the purpose of, of the book of Daniel is highlighting how sovereign God is and how in control God is. And we see Nebuchadnezzar here in Daniel 4, um, in verse 29, it says, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven and said, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. And later, you know, Nebuchadnezzar kind of wakes up. And if you jump down to verse 34, it says, at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. I praised the most high. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal one. His kingdom endures. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing, and he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. And I had to learn that spiritual leadership is not about position, but it's about people. It's about pleasing God. And uh, so we're going to open it up here, I think, for some questions. I know Phil's going to be moderating. Hopefully we have uh, some, you know, some answers that can help you guys. But once again, thanks for just joining and listening a little bit to our stories, and I hope some of you guys can relate. Hey, Amen. I'll, I'll do this for, for, for all the people that are attending right now and uh, on there. I'm sure they're doing the same thing and really thankful. I, I want to add, before we take some questions, and I really love the questions that are already on there. One, I want to <laughs> praise God for the way God works and how he puts these panels together. You know, we, we, we put out requests and we try to get speakers. And I just wanted to highlight a couple of the things that I think really stand out to me about some of the things you guys shared and just how diverse a life path, I think, those who are on the panel. And I think about, you know, Tanner sharing his journey from I know to I need instruction, right? And I love Jessica, I think, one, the vulnerability of just sharing, how do I overcome that doubt? Can I be a leader? Uh, even that scripture, Hebrews 10, verse 35, you know, not shrinking back. And, um, you know, what, you know, just to come from those different positions, I guarantee you there are people who are in the, in the audience tonight that are coming from those positions. Same with Perry. I love the fact that you use that phrase, I've been pursued by God. Even the way you describe that MIT story is pursued by God still. And so um, I think audience listen and, and I'm like key in on those things right do you feel like you're connecting with one of those you know I think about you know a little bit of a goal here you know Perry was baptized December 3rd 2015 it's been 1787 days since her baptism and she's leading a call on a panel on spiritual leadership so come on Perry, what a, that, that, that's a praise to God is what it is right and uh, what God can do <laughs> Amen. I love it. And then just even um, Katie and Willie, I appreciate so much the two perspectives you guys are sharing. I love, Katie, what you shared about this idea. Like you said, man, I had a heart to serve, but then I look at what people call leadership, and there is this mold that I think people get wrong all the time about what it means to be a leader, and we get it in our mind, this is what leadership looks like. And so many of our young people look at 
people think, oh, it's got to look this certain way, and it just doesn't. And so I love that you shared that 2 Corinthians scripture, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll boast in my weaknesses. If that doesn't win people over, I don't know what will. And then you got guys like Willie who are just that that dude, that guy who just God needs to humble so he can use even more. And I love that because we we do need those guys in the kingdom. And, um, you know, you look at that scripture that, that Willie references. That's one of like the scariest scriptures in the Bible that God did what he did to Nebuchadnezzar. But God is so sovereign. He takes these guys who think they, you know, they're going to do these awesome things in the world or whatever. He's like, hang on, let me. Let me get out, you know, my, my tools and he, and, he, and, he, and he polishes, you know, and he sands down and he, and he kind of gets rid of some of these rough edges on guys like Willie and he helps them be more humble so that they can be used in God's kingdom. So I love everything that you guys uh, shared and I already see we got some great questions. Um, I've got a couple written down already and let me just look real quick. I see um, two others here, one from Sophia and one from Lexi. Um, all right. I am, you know what? Um, we are going to start with Ross's question and then we're going to get to some others. And so I want Ross's question was as campus ministers, what is something you wish your leaders, your student leaders would, um, you know, do and take their, their own initiative for And so whoever wants to jump in on that question first is more than welcome. Within everything. Mm-hmm. Everything, just do it all. My, I could just hear my wife laughing in the other room to your answer. Come on. Yes. No, I. I think the the question kind of is also the answer a little bit. Like I think the uh, it's so like we need initiators, right? We, we've got to be. We need thermostats, not just thermometers. We need people that realize that hey, devos just don't happen. Um, the energy doesn't just happen. You know, it takes people to start it. So Tanner and I were talking earlier about, you know, we, we, we want our role to be like the driver's ed instructor. Like we've got a steering wheel and a brake, but we don't have a, an accelerator. And so, you know, we want to, we, we can nudge you and keep you in, in between the right lanes and we can pump the brakes a little bit, but we can't hit the gas. So we need initiators, whether that's, going on encouragement dates, whether that's people stepping up to help in worship or AV or reaching out on campus or you name it. I mean, we, we need people to initiate. Amen. Yeah, I guess there's so many of them, like Willie said. Um, <laughs> I, one of the big ones for me is just uh, the, the simple follow-up things. Like you're at a Devo or you're at a midweek and someone from your group is not there or uh, someone that you were studying the Bible with is not there, like you should just text them, call them, follow up with them. Someone's not at church, you bring communion to them. Um, Just those types of things, like I I shouldn't have to call and not shouldn't have to it. That is part of what we do is remind and encourage people. But it's such an encouragement to hear when people are already doing that. They're at church and they're looking around who in my group is here who's not here, what new people are here that I don't know. Um, they're doing all those things already, and, and they're already planning on having conversations um, without us having to prompt those. So I would say that's that's a huge one because it not only shows that you can you can you have the action, but you have the heart to look around for people, that it's on your mind and heart when you walk into church um, too. Amen. I would, 
say, um, sorry, Phil, um, um, looking to the person who's discipling you or training you um, and desiring to know what they really think about how you led that Bible study or um, guys, maybe how you led the, the Devo or something like that. Um, but I think having the heart to really want to learn how to do better um, and being willing to hear some feedback or even like in a moment of correction. I think discipling can often be used so negatively and it shouldn't be. <laughs> discipling is how we can be better disciples of Jesus, which doesn't always mean more negative. But I think when we get correction or direction in discipling, to not be so flustered and defeated by that when it's not what we want to hear. Um, so I think I would love, I mean, I think in the, the, the more and more generations that continue to have like a grit, you know, like we need to carry on the work of the church and um, to have like a mental toughness to, if we say we want training, then it's not always just going to be positive. It might feel like correction isn't always our favorite thing, but that is positive. It's going to help us to be better if it's really about God's work. Um, so mm -hmm. I think a mental toughness as well. Amen. Let, let's actually move on because I'm going to I'm going to combine two questions and direct them at the women. How about that? All right. So I see in the in the chats, um, I, Charlotte, you asked, how do you break the mold at Katie? And I'd love for Katie and, 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 and Jessica and Perry, both all three to answer that. And then I also see uh, I think I'm saying the name right. Aileen talk about how do we deal with self-criticism and doubt? And I think just kind of combining those questions of how do you deal with the, you know, kind of maybe not seeing yourself as the type A, maybe might be the right way to say it, leader around a lot of other type A type leaders, maybe, I don't know. Um, and so if you don't mind, Katie, if you'd start answering and then we'll kind of go around the horn. Yeah. Um, so are you gonna, Phil, are you gonna give us points as we answer then? No, oh, I, you're good, <laughs> I believe me. They don't actually say, you're good. You said around the horn. Um, oh, that's right. So, I, I think that some of the mold, um, I feel like just things are changing and evolving for women and, and their roles and how we view like what they should and shouldn't be. Um, but I think for me, the mold was honestly more like a personal thing that I, I saw, oh, this, you know, this women's ministry leader is X, Y, and Z. Uh, so when I stopped and actually thought, okay, is this true? Like, can you not be in leadership if you're not all these things? It really wasn't true because I, I'm in leadership. So I, I could see, oh, it's not the truth. Um, but then I think a practical or one changing the mold, but also um, kind of dealing with the self-doubt. I will make a list of, okay, what are five things and five ways that I feel like I'm good at this, or these are things that God has poured into me, and then a list of that um, one thing that I want to change or grow in. And I just focus on that one thing for a while that I want to change or grow in. And it helps me to be so much more positive and looking at what God has poured into me and all the ways that um, all the things that he has done rather than just 
oh, getting sucked into the downward spiral of I need to grow in this and this and this and this, but I'm still being proactive by I have one thing that I'm trying to focus and grow on, grow in. Um, so that's helped me with some of that self doubt. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to jump in. So I think for my life, something that I constantly battle is that I'm really not the typical mold for a campus minister. I am a single black woman and I have spent the last three and a half years leading with um, uh, brothers who were in a relationship or married. And that's a very atypical position. Um, I think it's very easy for me to look to others for what I feel like a good leader is supposed to be. And I've had great support in my life from our Indianapolis staff and great support from Sam and Ross Sawyer who have, have loved me and validated me and raised me up. But I've also found that like just biblically when it comes to how God chooses his leaders, he often chooses people who are very different. You know, he calls us to be set apart and that he can use anybody's skills when um, set towards righteousness to lead well. And so I think it's been a journey over the last three and some change years, even still as a very young Christian, to just submit my heart to God and try to see myself the way that God sees me and why he might have chosen me and my particular set of gifts or skills um, for this position. And I think that helps me realize that you know, the mold is really just something we create for ourselves as people. And, and God made such a variety of disciples and he wants every gift in the kingdom to be lifted up. So I think trying to take on, um, once again, that perspective of trusting God's plan for me and that he chose me to be his leader in, in Bloomington, Indiana at this current time for a reason. Um, Jess, did you want to address that at all? No, I feel okay. like so we're going to do this. We're going to let Caitlin Kwong in and in the room. She's going to ask a question. And then we're going to, I've got two more questions for the guys to jump in on here. All right, Caitlin, you're you're in and on. Go for it, girl. Hello. Um, I would have typed my question, but I feel like there is just too much context. No, you're uh, good. I love it that you want to jump on. Um, so my name is Caitlin, and I'm from Canada, and I go to the school called Waterloo. Um, and I actually am the only disciple on my campus, and we don't have a campus leader. Um, and the closest church is about an hour away. And I was really just, I mean, I have a group of amazing campus leaders. Um, I really want to see something happen on my campus, like any, uh, any disciples are just sharing your faith. And I was wondering what I was going to in terms of the circumstances that I could apply or, or learn um, or like skills that I should be learning to prepare myself when I go onto campus um, to be able to help build anything um, as well as balancing school and balancing my own spiritual life. Um, yeah. <laughs> could you think you could ask that in a sentence and a half? <laughs> Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. I will condense. I was wondering if you guys had any practical um, that I would be able to do on campus or any ideas or skills that I should be learning in order to prepare myself to be that leader on my campus. 
be the only student. Is that right? Am I hearing you right? Yeah. <laughs> wow, girl. You're a hero. You're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> well, the first thing that just pops in my mind is just getting really comfortable with your Bible. And I mean, that's great because that's so many of your quiet times. Yeah. I mean, can be preparing for campus, but like you can get so much out of that and like make it like it's not just your quiet, maybe aside from your quiet times, but like quizzing yourself on, you know, memorizing scriptures about certain topics. So, um, hot topics on campus, whatever that may be. Um, like what are going to be your scriptures that you would, you in your mind would be able to pull out from your mind to share with somebody on the spot. You know, I think having mm -hmm. those types of scriptures come from a place of passion and memory where you're ready, you know, and I think, I think of the scripture, be prepared in season and out of season. This is a kind of out of season time, although, you know, the harvest is always in season, but I think being back on campus will be a different kind of in season. And so this is kind of a weird time. And so I think you, this is a great opportunity for you to prepare um, diligently. And I think it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, I, I love getting to know my Bible better and um, I chalk up my Bible, like the, the cover pages, the inside of my cover pages, I call it my like spiritual arsenal of like, you know, my weaponry, like you go to the wall and it's like, you've got all this, all these tools and weapons to pick from to be ready. And I think this is a great time to prepare to do that. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. Amen. Caitlin, do you, do you drive an hour on Sunday to get to church? Uh, I have to take the bus. You take the, okay. Wow. Okay, <laughs> hang on, let that think for anybody who's struggling with getting to church right now. All right. Know, right? <laughs> um, okay, so when I was in uh, campus ministry, our church was an hour away from campus as well. Um, and so you understand what it's like to get visitors to come with you. They're like, why? Yeah, why would zero. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I, but I, I, along with knowing your Bible, I, one of the I think most profound things about the campus ministry is people can see you. They see you interacting mm -hmm. with other disciples and they're like, the way you interact with other disciples is so different than the way people in the world interact. And so whatever you can do to get people to see you with other disciples. So if it's begging people from the, the church to come and do a sleepover at your place or mm -hmm. to come and spend a day with you, like beg, like I will cook for you. I will, I'll pay mm -hmm. for your bus ticket. I'll do whatever uh, to get them to come so that your friends on campus can see you with other disciples mm -hmm. uh, or the other way to, to mm -hmm. I mean, if you can convince them to come with you to church and then you set up a lunch after church and now they've seen it a day in the life of a normal mm -hmm. disciple. And there are times where I think, that's just as valuable as three Bible studies that you've done mm. when they can, they can get a mental picture of what Spending it really looks like. Talking to, in the car, yeah. you know, like having great talks and things like that. Yeah, man. Caitlin, thank yeah. you so much for coming on and sharing your question with us. We'll be thank praying you so for much you in your, uh, in your situation. <laughs> thank awesome. you. And so I'm going to put this next question out there for the entire panel. Um, and um, I forget who this one was coming from, but how do you guys uh, respond when someone uh, approaches you and just really doesn't respect your leadership or leadership in general, or just treats you in not the best and most respectful way? 
uh, yeah. who wants to start off on that one? <laughs> how long you do can we ask have? Ross, you can ask Ross how he, you know, deals with me. Mm -hmm. um, he'd have some great input from you there. Yeah. No, I, I can share from a little bit from Katie and I. We recently started, uh, like I said, leading the church, and not that the older adults in the church don't respect us, because I think there's a mutual respect, but there's just a natural, it, it's it's not a natural, hey, I'm going to follow someone that is the same age as my child. Okay, so, so I think what Katie and I had to learn is um, it takes time to win people over, and I think just like Paul challenged Timothy and encouraged him, hey, set an example. And Timothy was leading older people in the church in Ephesus, set an example in every area in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Um, and so that's kind of what Katie and I said, like, hey, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to tell all these people, like, we're just going to set, set an example. And then uh, we've had to learn how to, um, some advice we got was lead from the middle. And so there are people that do respect you, so you've got to call them to follow you, but then the people that may not respect you are on the other side of that, ask them to help you. So that'd be my encouragement with whoever this is, ask them to help you. Um, or let God, if there's any humbling that needs to take place, let God deal with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so be loving, ask them to help you, set an example, and let God deal with the rest. That, those, are, those are my thoughts. We'll call you guys later about some of that. Amen. Some advice from the acquaintance. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Nobody else wants to tackle that. Will, you did such a good job. Everybody else is like, I don't I know. I answered it. Done. Settled. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Most people that don't respect us. <laughs> They're respecting you right now, that's for sure. So, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next question. And this one, um, just think if you can think of it and um, identify, like, when did you know you were. You, you really wanted to get involved in spiritual leadership. Like, can you think of a moment, something that really was a trigger for you, something that compelled you, pushed you? And, and can you share about that? Who wants to go first there? How about we have either, uh, how about Perry, why don't you start us off? Well, you kind of shared already with Tyler a little bit in MIT. So we'll let the Versages start off on this one. So is this going into the ministry specifically or just spiritual leadership at a more of a base level? I think, you know what, answer whichever one of those you feel more compelled to answer. And I think it'll, it'll, it'll minister to the people here. Okay. Um, well, I guess maybe I can answer both briefly. Uh, the, the first one, spiritual leadership, I think it was really just being around spiritual people, being around other spiritual leaders and people that I admired and, I found the thing that I admired most about them was the way that they led other people um, and the the respect they had, not because they were mean or domineering or better at other things, but just um, my parents were an example of that to me. It's just uh, watching the way they served people and had people into their homes and people loved them. And so, um, but I saw them fight for those people. And so I, I understood pretty quickly where that that relationship came from um but i saw someone post in the chat earlier too about how did you know about the ministry um and to be honest probably like 
two years after we were in the full-time ministry was when we knew <laughs> that we wanted to be in the full-time ministry. So, um, I don't know, maybe me longer, but, <laughs> but I, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, I think for both of those, it was, I sat in a position where it's like, mm-hmm. I wonder, and I realized the only way I'll know is if I actually try it and actually do it. Um, mm-hmm. I can, I can faithfully put myself out there to be a Bible talk leader. I can faithfully try and go into the full-time ministry. And if God says no, then he says no. And I did something faithful for him and I won't have any regrets. Um, but it was kind of one of those, like, you won't know until you try it. I could sit around and make all the Excel spreadsheets and charts I wanted to and try and analyze the pros and cons. And I just wouldn't know until I actually did it. Mm-hmm. So I had, and that took courage. I couldn't just analyze my way through it. Like I had to mm-hmm. be faithful. Oh man. Gosh. Remember me trying to go into the ministry? That was interesting. I, so yeah, you heard my thing about becoming a student leader. I was kind of pushed and encouraged and challenged to try, you know, to be a student leader. And I realized, okay, I can do this a little bit, but maybe, maybe I will graduate. I'll get a job and I'll just be a really great like house church leader, you know? And so where, where did that transpire? So we were dating long distance and we wanted to live in the same place. And so it was a matter of, do we just get secular jobs and serve in the church where we are, see where the relationship goes, which looked promising. And so I think he brought up the idea of what do you think about trying the ministry? And I was like, nope, (laughs) I was a hard pass. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Because of fear, you know, that's what I brought up initially to you guys and um I didn't know if that's what I wanted either yeah and so I think we had a lot of conversations about that so obviously we were in a position where we were dating and um I kind of we we did some interviewing and different things like that and we ended up in Chicago um which we were very grateful for so he like he said it took me a couple years to really get comfortable with that job it took a lot of pushing myself it was scary it was challenging I didn't know anybody in Chicago. And yes, we did obviously end up getting married and all that, but so there's a lot of transition. And I think with any job, graduating college, things like that, there's a lot of transition. So, um, the first like big world discipleship conference, which I've reached, I think that was the first one. No, no that was the, the, summit, the one, the 20, summit, the 2012, 2012, yeah. 2012 summit. And, uh, I think hearing a lot of lessons and I just felt like God was just pushing me through the door. Like you need to do this. And I was resisting with everything in me But the scripture that stuck with me was Romans four, when it talks about, uh, Abraham and Sarah, you know, and Abraham, it says Abraham against all hope believed, you know, he faced the fact that his body was as good as that, but he believed. So that sounds dramatic interpretation of that scripture, but I felt like, okay, I feel like if we don't just try it, we can always not do it, but I think let's push ourselves to do something faithful at a young age and see if it pans out and let's just try something that's faithful and see what happens. If you're on the fence, go listen to Justin Renton's uh, sermon that's the one. from the Mountain of the Lord Ooh. Summit in 2012. That was the one where she was like, okay. I think I ran out crying like, I think I know what I need to do, but I don't want to do it because I'm scared. So again, fear is a big factor that I just had to push through that and had to continue to push through that for a little while to feel, yeah, maybe even a few years in like, yeah, this is definitely, and I think this, this is an eternal investment as a career. You know, it's, there's a lot of what people see as glorious, but it's really not. It's like, that's like the top of the iceberg and the rest is underneath. It's gritty, you know, it's tough, but it's, but it's eternal work, you know, that is not always something you see 
right away, but it's something that I know means mm -hmm. the most to my heart and to God. So, yeah. Amen. Well, Marty was on there for a second and then he disappeared. So, um, and I really think even Meg, your there he is. Uh, Meg's question is a little, I, I think, not too far off from Marty's question. And I want to, even before Marty asks it, I think this is a challenge for people who can see, well, you know, as leader, you know, as leadership in the campus, you know, does that mean I have to go into the ministry someday or what, where is the balance? I'll let Marty ask his question, but I think there's different versions, versions of this question, Marty, that I see come up in different ways. Why don't you go ahead and ask, ask your question? Yeah. Can you hear me? Just fine. Okay, cool. So I want to get into spiritual leading or like leading in the ministry. Um, but my, my degrees like completely different than that. So how, and I probably wouldn't want to go into ministry. I don't know yet, but um, like with the four years I have here, four or five years I have here, um, how do I balance uh, just leading in the ministry and then uh, school? Because school can already feel kind of heavy at times. Sorry. And then also what would I prioritize? What would you prioritize on top? Perry, you want to try this one? <laughs> Amen, Perry. Go get him. Sure. I, you know, I graduated from IU three and a half years ago, and this is still the campus where I lead. And so college is kind of fresh on my mind. Um, but I think there's a way to let God lead you in doing both, right? I think there's so much honor in taking care of your schoolwork and doing it well in your discipleship because you're modeling to the people around you what it's like to put God first. But also, you know, you don't have to have a degree in ministry to go into ministry. I feel like I can speak to the fact that like, I I am a classical opera singer and I'm doing the full-time ministry. Like that has nothing uh, or not much, maybe I should say to do with um, my job here. But I think having great leaders, I don't know who your leaders are in your ministry, but really anchoring um, to them and learning from them and then taking every opportunity you can to do the ministry and training program, or um, here in the Midwest, we have the Midwest Institute of Ministry or anything that can equip you spiritually. I think embracing that will be very important. And then I think I could say my discipleship is the benefit um, is has benefited from people who loved me in their putting the kingdom first while being disciples, right? Like I was converted from um, working as an RA and the brother that I worked with was just a great example on the job, a great example in school and just a great disciple. And that really inspired me. And so I think you can definitely do both, but you don't have to have a degree in ministry um, to be a great campus minister. Go ahead, Jim. Well, Marty, I was going to ask what your, what your major is. I'm, I think I'm going to go into architecture. I'm switching. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Um, I can get your number later if you want to talk. Um, that's what I studied. That's that's my degree. Um, I just want to say that to everyone listening, uh, being a Bible talk leader is not because you want to go into the full time ministry. Um, like that's that's not, I mean we obviously hope that people in this room will have the desire to go into the full time ministry, but. We're not saying you've failed as a student leader if you don't end up in the full-time ministry. Like, that's not it at all. I think what you're doing in trying to be a student leader and trying to be great 
in your major is what you're going to have to do for the rest of your life because your major just turns into your career and then your student leading just turns into leading a house church mm-hmm. or, or leading some Let's other ministry in the church in, in your future or, or just being evangelistic or being in a house church or helping with kids kingdom or just being all, a disciple after <laughs> to at work and yeah work. And, and truthfully like yeah. if you're on this call as a student leader right now um i i think almost like the minimum bar you should set for yourself in the future is co-leading a house church when you get out of the campus i mean you guys have so much that you've been given and so i think one of the main things you're looking for right now is just learning how to stretch yourself to be able to be excellent at both and to have your heart in both. Um, because you're going to be leading people. You're, you're going to have disciples in your house church in the future who are going to make excuses about why they can't come to midweek because of their job. And you're going to need to be that moral example of like, I've got a tough job too. I've got responsibilities too, but I still mm-hmm. seek first the kingdom and do well at this. And so what you're doing now is you're building a foundation to give yourself that moral authority um, and, and influence for the rest of your life, whether or not you serve in the full-time ministry is, uh, is almost regardless of the fact of, of kind of that, how you're trying to have integrity and excellence at both. Marty, I appreciate your heart, man. I just appreciate you uh, even asking the question. I think it says a lot. Um, We've got to become good at being hard workers and stretching ourselves. And you can do a whole lot more than you think you can. And one of the keys uh, to balancing school and student leadership is saying no to what you need to say no to and saying yes to what needs to be said yes to. Um, And uh, that's really important. And oftentimes the things that we need to say no to are – they're obvious, but they're sometimes harder. So push yourself, work hard. And at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about pursuing leadership or this role. It's about people, right? So, dude, just get on campus and go make disciples, and everything else is gonna is just gonna take care of itself. Okay, so that'd be my encouragement, man. And you've been doing that, so keep it up and uh, keep pushing yourself. Amen. Yeah, I love that. And even you kind of reiterated what you shared earlier, Willie. It's about people in that position. I love that. Love that. So um, I do want to say we are kind of in overtime at this point. If you need to uh, take off, feel free. I think we're going to try to continue the conversation just a little bit more while we've got these guys in uh, cornered in a in a in a in a hop in room. We're going to try to get a little bit more out of them. I noticed there was a number of questions about worship and leadership, and um, and so we'd like to maybe get to those a little bit later because especially because we got Tanner on the call. Um, I think this is an interesting question that. Lexi posed earlier, and I'm curious what you guys think. Um, oh, wait, Ethan, are you actually still in the room? I know you, I, I let you in a minute ago. Ethan Kang, are you still there? Because you can come up and ask a question if you'd like. Whoa, I don't know if that's a great idea, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> True. Oh, there wait, he is. I, it was kind of an accident. I was just messing with the settings, but I actually do have a question. Hilarious. All right, fire away, Ethan. Um, okay, so I talked to William about this already, but just more for the input. Um, how do you guys find time to really like to like recharge and come out of it being like, okay, I'm ready to go back into it. Because I feel like when I have like a day of just rest, um, the next time I'm with people, I'm, I still just feel really tired. Um, just hanging out with people. Amen. That also is a question posed by Samantha in the chat. How do we avoid burnout? Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
I thought it was going to be something about dating. All right, you're going to jump in on this one. That's really why he asked the question, Willie. He wanted to get that FaceTime. It's tough when your dad's a preacher. Everybody how do we recharge? How do we avoid burnout? Right? Yes. Great question. Oh, man. You're probably going to get a different answer from every person on here. Uh, about what helps them not burn out. And so I, I think maybe that's the answer in of itself is you're going to have, it's going to be a bit of an experiment for you to figure out what it is. Um, mm. Je- Jessica and I are very different. Uh, for me, actually going on a really long run is actually what recharges me more than anything else. I, you know, like it's funny because you would think you're going to be really tired, but that it helps me clear my mind. It's my time just with me. I'm not taking phone calls, you know, so it's going to be a little different for everyone. I, I do find for, for me though, um, doing something that's like totally, um, not sluggish, but where I'm sitting around doesn't, it takes me longer to get going again in the future. Uh, so it doesn't always help me, uh, but there are times where, you, where I just need to take a nap, but it's, I'll be 32 next month. And it's, it's taken me this long to still try and figure out some of those things for me. Yeah. So, Try different things. That's what I would say. Amen. I know I'm just the moderator here, but I, I do want to say a good don't for this category is try to get recharged by sitting on your chair or your couch or your bed and just playing phone games or whatever games. Those things are passive things we do just to kind of chill, but they don't recharge us. And sometimes they rob us of that time that we really need to recharge. What? What I'd encourage you with, Ethan, um, no more among us. Yeah. Uh, I just validate, like, if you're a leader, I mean, working with people is, it can be exhausting. And, and Jesus, I mean, Jesus laid his head on a pillow in a boat in a storm and passed out. So it's just tiring. And I think some, like, don't be afraid of being tired or exhausted. I think sometimes when we feel tired or exhausted, we can feel like uh, something's not right. You know, if you're working with people, you probably should be tired or exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, see from Jesus that he slipped away and, and made time to go pray. And so mm-hmm. you just make sure the more you work with people, the more you got to be in prayer and, and just spending your time with God. So prioritize that. Make sure you've got that above everything else. Um, you know, and then take a day here or there when you need it. But if, you, if you're having a good time with God, that's a good place to start. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. I was going to add to his point of praying. I think something that's helped me, like, when dealing with people, um, whether it be people you're studying with or anything, and it's getting frustrating or they can be kind of frustrating, I just try to pray for them a lot and that actually helps me to just have like to remain having a soft heart towards them and a loving heart um so it helps me not to get burnt out working with people as much good stuff you guys are awesome thank you ethan now you can now we'll let you out of the room all right buddy all right thanks for jumping in good Mm -hmm. impromptu question 
Good stuff. I love, you know how you're in the leadership panel discussion when you tell everybody we're in overtime and you can leave and there's still just as many in the room. <laughs> we so, love to see it. Yes, we love to see that. So so I'm going to I'm going to jump on another one here. We're, we're still not to the worship question yet, but, um, you know, Lexi, early in the chat, she posted uh, a question that kind of sounds like this. What is something you wish you saw more being trained in campus leadership? So, like, what is something you wish was trained more in campuses in in our Midwest, Heartland, Canada, maybe, you know, even in what you know from coast to coast? The Bible, just, like, deep. I mean. <laughs> it's simple, brother. Come on. Feels like, yeah. I'm, I'm serious, like, uh, getting beyond just quoting, like, Romans 8 and 10, you know, like, uh, you guys, there's so much in there. There's there's an entire Old Testament that a lot of people just avoid. Um, so I just think getting in there deeper, trying to figure out, I mean, uh, honestly, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many, I wonder how many people in this chat even, like, have the books of the Bible memorized in order. You know, that's a... It's kind of a lost skill with with digital Bibles for a lot of people. Uh, so just, I think very very simple things like that, mm-hmm. uh, knowing to tell the story of how, you know, God's people went from the garden to you know, or from Exodus out here. Uh, you don't have to know all the details. You don't have to know the names of the mountains and everything, mm-hmm. but just a big picture concepts that you find throughout the Bible, I think, is a huge one. We could not agree more. Uh-huh. I think. Um, if I could add something that is spiritually helpful, but not necessarily um, biblically taught, would just be emotional and self-awareness. Now, I have a very limited perspective um, on our churches because I was converted in the Midwest, raised up in the Midwest, leading in the Midwest. But I think something I've been really blessed to have received is great training on emotions, emotional wellness, and emotional awareness, and how that affects our discipleship. So we're really blessed here to have um, Kathy Eastman, who is a licensed counselor and social worker, and does a lot of teaching on our on this with our women. Um, but also, I think uh, Sam and Ross Sawyer have really helped us understand the heart, right? Jesus looks at the heart, and that's for a reason, because it's complicated. And so recognizing your yourself and what's in your nature and your emotions and how those things move you is really great. And so I would love, I don't know if anybody is familiar with the spiritual discovery program. Like I would totally recommend if you have the ability to do that on your own or to start up a group. Yes, let's go. Or just start up a group in your, in your ministry. It's very easy to do, but so deeply helpful and understanding the way your emotions can move you and the lies you believe about Satan. So I think that's something that I would probably advocate for as a really great component to help you with your spiritual life. Amen. Good stuff. So we have, we have a number of other questions. I would, um, you know, let me ask this question though for the group and i i know josh would like to get on here and ask a question um what what do you what do you think helps you guys identify when somebody in campus ministry may be ready to uh be get involved in spiritual leadership what are some things you guys look out for Hmm. good question yeah that is thank you um hey, hey phil could you maybe ask that in a sentence? <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Um, 
Hmm. He said, great question. Bill said, thank you. So I can just share what we look for when we're looking for, for leaders. Um, I, I think people who initiate is important. Uh, I, I always look for like discipline and character is very important. Uh, it's one of the things we emphasize quite a bit. And discipline is shown in the little things. So how are your grades? Are you on time? Do you show up? Um, is your car a mess? Is your room a mess? You know, just those little things. Like I think discipline is just extremely important because, you know, like, like Paul charged Timothy, entrust to reliable people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to entrust any amount of responsibility in the ministry if you can't be relied on to just show up on time, right? So if you can't take care of the little things, you're not going to be able to take care of much else. Um, so that's something that, that we look for quite a bit. Uh, just a character of discipline, I think, is really important. And that, that translates also emotionally, just even the consistency of being self-controlled in different areas mm -hmm. of your life. So um, I don't know if that answers it for me. If I could comment, I would say off of that, um, someone who takes input well. And so, like, for example, like at devotional, like you've got all these people and we're all talking to visitors or freshmen or new people. And I'm like, I grab a, say like a sophomore sister. I'm like, hey, would you mind going to grab, you know, introduce yourself and connect with that girl over there, she's sitting by herself or, you know, who do you notice that could use talking to? Oh, this person. Okay. Could you go talk to them and bond with them a little bit, get to know them, exchange information. And if they, I've watched over the years, people go, they introduce themselves and then they walk away and they go talk to their friends again. I'm like, oh, well, that's not really what talking to someone is. It's, it's engaging with someone. It's getting to know someone. It's having the heart to, oh, this is a, this is a random person that just got invited. And the heart is to want them to help learn about God and be in a Bible study at some point, maybe before they leave tonight. So let's start have like getting to know them. Um, and so I think having somebody who's a, have maybe like Perry mentioned that awareness of like what that looks like, that understanding of connection. And so just taking direction and, and saying, yeah, I can do that. And hopping on the, hopping on board and, and just putting themselves out there and trying, trying some, also somebody who tries things, you know, I'm just going to go try this and sharing my faith, or I'm going to bring this girl with me. And I'm like, wow, look at them planning that and trying something new, you know? I love it. I agree with that one hundred percent, man. Good stuff. Awesome. And Perry, I thought you were going to share something there. Oh, I did. You know, I was thinking, I think, something more than anything that I love seeing in disciples in general is just somebody who has a servant heart. You know, I think mm -hmm. Jesus was the best leader we will all ever know, right? But he was not afraid to take the lowly position and serve. And I think that anybody who has a heart to serve others, um, to encourage, to sacrifice, like that's somebody who I'd want um, to lead me or lead with me or be on a leadership team. Um, I definitely think a servant's heart is really important. Amen. Wow. Phil, can I add one, can I add one thing to that? Of course, please. Um, it's something Chris Zillman used to teach us a lot, but um, if you want to be a leader, you just, you have to be really easy. You have to be an easy person. 
you mm-hmm. you can't be needy all the time. You can't be the person who's like super insecure if someone doesn't talk to you right away. Like you've got to be easy to spend time with. You've got to be flexible if maybe our D time turns into uh my kids are crazy today, so I need you to come meet me at the park and that's where our D time's gonna be. Like you need to not get your feelings hurt about that. Um yeah, not sitting down just quietly one-on-one over a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, but just in general, being like an easy, an easy person and being a flexible person, flexible. that's something Chris um, used to teach a lot uh, at MIT and, and in the leaders meetings in mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, Cause you're dealing with difficult situations. So if you yourself are a difficult thing to bring into that, it doesn't, it doesn't help to, to mitigate the other problems. Amen. Guys, great, great stuff. Um, love it. And there's, we, we are definitely in uh, double overtime here. And so I want to be sensitive to our speakers. You guys have done a great job. Thank you so much. What we're going to do at this time, we're going to uh, give, uh, we're going to let, I know there's some worship questions here. And um, I know that especially Tanner is, as one, and, and it sounds like Perry, you've done a lot of worship as well. And I actually don't know um, Willie and Katie's story as well, but I'm gonna let uh, some of these worship folks like Josh, Maurice, and um, Kaylin, uh, if you guys can ask to share your screen. And we're just gonna address some of those questions as we end out. I think, oh, look at that, boom, they're ready to go, man. And, um, and um, Joshua Sanders, I don't know. Kim, um, are you, is he a worship guy too? Does anybody know? We'll let him in. Why not? Kaylin, <laughs> all right. And then Josh Lutz or Maurice, if you guys are still out there and want to jump in on this, I think that'd be really helpful. I'll say this, Katie and Willie, I don't know if this is your cup of tea. If you need to take a break, you could take a break. And um, whoever else needs to take a break, Jess, if you need to check on the kids, I'm going to take a quick break. Oh, I got chocolate. I'm good. Kids oh, are awesome. Okay. I'm so. I'm going to let Kaylin ask your original question to get things rolling. Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, so, Tanner, I uh, hope you're doing well. So, I had a couple questions, so I'll just try to uh, cramp it up. But um, how's, like, the process? Because I know as a worship leader for myself, it's been very hard just creating new stuff, trying to be creative while everything is online and worship. So, how have you been handling the process, you know, of just doing everything online and my other question also is how 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 well how is the process of going from like a worship leader someone who's in worship to like someone who's like leading the yopros for example yeah um good questions mm-hmm. um the worship ministry i mean it's spiritual in the sense of like they're disciples and we're doing something spiritual and uplifting and i want to teach spiritual concepts make sure my group's aware of the, you know, the spiritual nature of the songs we're singing or whether these are more vertical or outward kind of things. But I would say in general, uh, the spiritual leadership of like leading a, a ministry, a, a house church group of people, whether it's campus or your Bible talk or that, it's a lot different because you're really getting more involved in the, the discipling. Uh, maybe your church might structure it differently, but I don't disciple the members I'm not in a discipling relationship per se with the members of the worship ministry. At yeah. that point, I'm kind of, I'm managing a group of servants and their talents and inspiring yeah. them. 
uh, and keeping them focused. So it's much more inspirational yeah. uh, and, and managerial leading a, a Bible talk, so to speak, is much more of the, you know, walking with people with God and the discipling aspects of it. So there, there are overlaps in them, but they are kind of different skill sets. One of them's a little bit more on the, on the management side, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. The process of worship during this time has been, uh, it, it evolves and we're still trying to figure it all out and what we can do. Um, I think there's, there's a couple things we look for. Um, my kind of like, if you were to draw a Venn diagram with three circles, this is kind of my diagram in my head is, uh, one of them is uh, sustainability, excellence, and authenticity. Those are the three things that I try and, and make work together. Um, you can do something that's incredibly excellent, but it's not sustainable. You can't keep it going. Um, or you can do something that's really sustainable and really authentic, and it's just some great-hearted people that sent it in, but it's not excellent. Um, you know, and, and so that's kind of the hard part is trying to find the balance of all those. Like, if you picture, like, you're playing 2K or you're playing Madden and you're creating your own player and you only have a certain amount of like yeah. level up things and you kind of have to balance them to get to where your limit is. So those would be my three categories okay. uh, right there. Um, Cause yeah, so that's, and, and the sustainability has been a big part on the virtual thing. Um, you got to find people that know how to edit video, know how to edit audio. Um, or you just, if you can't do that excellently, you, you shape it in a way where it is going to be, Excellent. Um, but then at the end of the day, too, the other two things I'm looking for are diversity in the worship and um, participation. And that's that's a big thing where maybe um, our roots in the restoration movement are are still really strong is we want participation. Um, my goal when we're putting together a worship service is not what's going to be the best performance, but what's the what's a song service that's going to get if I can get 90% of congregations singing at once, that's a great song for me. And some of that is teaching and some of that's training. But if I'm, if I'm limiting, um, if I'm going so excellent that nobody else knows or feels like they can sing along or something like that. And it's just, it's, it's too one way. Uh, to me, that's something that a lot of contemporary music is starting to turn that way. And, and maybe there are times for it, but I, I do love, our strength as a restoration church that uh, at least I know when visitors come out to our churches that have been to other ones in the area, they're like, wow, everyone actually sings, not just the people on stage. And so that's something that we love and we try and keep going. So. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. And I guess my last question um, with, and that could probably go towards Tanner and Perry. And I know Perry, you've studied music, right. And probably been also a bit part of um, like the worship ministry at some point. So how have you been, I guess balancing um, like music and like your your life your spiritual life uh, with God, you know, while handling, I guess balancing everything out. How have you been? Have have you guys been doing that? Sure, I can jump in really quickly. I think I feel really blessed to be um, in Indiana. Specifically, our campus satellites are um, connected to the Indianapolis Church, where Dave Eastman is, and. Dave is just an incredible worship leader, and I've had the privilege of being able to learn from him um, since being in ministry, but also it's been awesome to be able to have an outlet to use my, like, 
pa my passion and my gifts and my career really oriented field uh, for the kingdom. And so I think something I've had to learn, kind of like what Tanner was saying over time, is that the way that it sounds or looks to people, the excellence is not as important as the connection with God, right? The purpose of worship is giving God glory and lifting him high. And so my personal performance, the performance of the other disciples like that are leading worship um, matters, but is not more important than um, ushering people into the presence of God. And so I would say that, that I totally agree with the balance. <laughs> I could not re-describe the big three that Tanner was describing, but I thought that was a great way to just reiterate that the purpose is is about God. So, all right, thank you so much. Thanks, Galen. Of course. Josh, thank you. By the way, we had several questions about, you know, when people get involved in worship leadership and how does that is there a conversion or a translation when they also get involved or, you know, there's practicals about worship leadership, but then also um, how that might look uh, when you get different, when you get involved in maybe a small group leadership. Sure. Well, I think, you know, in any leadership position, there are skills and abilities that you need to have to be able to do that job well. Uh, whether you're a Bible talk leader, a campus minister, campus intern, whatever role you're filling, it's similar for a worship team. You have to have certain skills and abilities to be able to be in that role. Um, I think the strongest crossover is the fact that you need to be spiritually, you know, connected. You've got to be right with God and you can't rely on those skills and abilities to carry you in that leadership position. Same goes for on the worship team. So let's say you're a great guitar player or a great drummer, uh, but your relationship with God has been in the dumps. Uh, you can rely on your skills and abilities for a certain amount of time to try to hide what's going on and carry you through, but ultimately that will reveal itself. So I think in both contexts, uh, you know, you've got to be in love with, uh, with worshiping God. I think uh, Perry and Tanner and, and others it, being connected with Dave Eastman uh, and the way that you see him as he's worshiping, it's so clear that he's in love with the Lord and he loves what he's doing. That's, uh, that's inspiring. And that, that's why people want to follow his example, especially when it comes to worship, because it's so clear that he's passionate about worshiping the Lord. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Your skills and abilities matter. Uh, you, you can't, um, you can't serve in these different roles unless you have those. Uh, however, um, ultimately, your relationship with God is going to be the more important thing. So. Awesome. I think we... Oh, go ahead, Tanner. I'm sorry. Please. Yeah, so I don't know if Muranu is on this call, but Muranu had been a... Um, yeah. Yeah, he had been... Uh, he was interning with us out here and Murano was a part of the worship team as well. So I just took it as a part of my training that I would, he would follow me into my, you know, the way that I led the worship team as well. And so he got to observe a lot, but I'd, I would say one of the challenges with leading a worship team over house church is uh, the nature of the worship team is they're creatives, they're artists. And so they're opinionated. 
and they're emotion based. And so you get you get a, you get a group of people together that are emotionally based, and they say, "I feel, I feel," and they're artists, and they want to express. And you can't you're never going to get a consensus. Like we're never going to sit down with a group of 10 people and feel like we're going to do the song in this key and this style with this tempo and this breakdown. And everybody's going to have different opinions about that. And so that to me over the past year has been actually one of the harder points. And one of the points I've had to seek the most uh, input on leadership is, is helping to manage and disciple the expectations of artists and of creatives and how they submit. And Chicago is an incredibly diverse church. And so there are, there's this gospel choir, there is contemporary band, there is like 90s Christian rock group fan people. And then there's like hardcore acapella, you know, enthusiasts. And they all, they all have these expectations at the same time. And so in a small group, it's a little bit easier because you kind of have a bit of that authority of being the leader of that group and being in the discipling relationship. But in a worship ministry, people are there voluntarily. And so that authority or that influence to help shape them is, is a little less pronounced than in the small group. And so that's just, it. I mean, it takes a lot of phone calls. It takes a lot of uh, loving people of finding their passion points, finding their skills, uh, you know, massaging out conversations that are go like this at rehearsals. Um, it's just a different beast because everybody is a creative. Um, and most people tend to feel and wear their feelings on their sleeves and can, you disagree with someone's stylistic preferences, they take it a little bit more personally. Um, so it, that, that is a difficult thing. And you would think, you would think older adults, um, have that more figured out than younger people in the campus ministry. But I've not found that to be true. I found it to be that, uh, in fact, they might actually feel things deeper because they felt them longer. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just a, a really sensitive area. So if you're in that role, I would say find some older people in the church who are maybe mm -hmm. not a part of the worship team, but know the people on there and mm -hmm. bring them in to help shepherd um We've got a great couple. Uh, Von Von White is, is kind of like a uh, in a shepherding role in the in the midpoint, and and he's kind of helped me a lot with some of the dynamics on the worship team in midpoint at times. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, I think you're muted. Um, it's 8.30, and I want to give our panelists a chance to uh, go get refreshed, and I want to say thank you yet again, and, um, you know, this is great. I think for the people who've stuck around here for the very end, you're kind of those, you know, you're the, you're the strong, the faithful, the troopers, 